y'all welcome back to deconstructing damsels it is now 2021 in the middle of january and i'm back from having a couple days break except not really which i will explain at the end <laughs> of this episode but for now i want to thank my patrons dd well let's just say the elm sisters all together because they both are amazingly supportive carrie marlene and kelly because you guys have been awesome and i want to say thank you so much yeah I mean, like the so this year the money actually helped in a really big way because i was able to buy a big box of historical books and you know they were like 15 euros which was relatively expensive but it's okay because it means I'll have a lot of material I can read for a while. So when I'm using my Kindle U and I can, you know, have more for my patrons to hear, it just kind of gives me a little bit more chance to kind of move around a bit. Speaking of reading, I am going to be on the Historical Romance Readathon from January 16th until the 21st. That's the hashtag HR Readathon. And it's done by Jessica at Peace Love Books XO. Remarkably Lisa and Lacey Book Lovers. I'm gonna enjoy it because I have never done a readathon before and I think this would be very fun and it's historical romance and my book should be here by then. So I'm gonna have a wide variety. I've you know I've got a whole bunch of things set up and I will talk about that later. Also the historical box. Actually I decided I'm going to do an unboxing uh hauling i don't really know how to put it because here in germany it's a little bit harder to get you know historical romance i can't just go to like to the thrift store and pick up like 30 books at a time and you know have a whole selection here it's kind of like hit or miss so some of them didn't look like they were but i'll go through those and i think i'm actually going to do a live with that on instagram which is at damsels podcast same with twitter and facebook also patreon is patreon.com damsels podcast because i'm nothing if not consistent so i want to give you guys a heads up about that also this month is like i've been calling it themeless we're just gonna call it random okay we're just gonna go with random and then next month in february it's gonna be passion so i'm gonna do an erotic romance and i'm going to do a revenge romance and, and i think it's a very interesting one of a way of doing it i I'm hoping to, you know, kind of like use this time to diversify what we read and what we talk about on here and, you know, having a whole bunch of new guests because, you know, bless the romance community, everyone has stepped up and I've got so many episodes that I can, you know, release now that I can kind of like take a break and enjoy reading, which is something I haven't really done in a while because I've been trying to like say pressure to do the podcast and I know, I know, don't feel like that and you're totally right, but it's just, it's a perfection thing for me i don't like to feel like i'm doing something wrong by letting people down so i'm really proud of that i've also got an idea so i said in april that i would like to do the ever after movie and i have a whole list of people that i have to contact about that and we're going to see how many i can get together and what we can do i'm thinking of maybe doing one like discord server just for this project because i don't think zoom will have enough and with as many people as we're going to have it's going to be a kind of a long one so i want to make sure that everyone can hear it and we can have our discussions and we can talk about what we want so that's cool i'm working on it <laughs> i promise you guys i've been saying it for like six months but i promise you i'm still working on where i need to go with that now on to what's happening on to this actual episode since housekeeping is 
almost done. Again, there's something at the end of the episode I'm going to leave there. I want you guys to listen because it's a secret project I've been putting together for about a week. And I think it should be really fun. But I kind of did a boo-boo with this. We, meaning myself and guest Kristen, at The Edifying Word, did a review of More Than We Bargained For. And it's by Fiona West who follows me on Twitter, which is a little bit strange for me. Usually I don't do that, but I thought it was really cool and it was fun and I kind of like to change things up and read different things. And so I was like, cool, cool. It's about, it's not a second chance romance, but it's a first chance romance. But it's a second chance, I think, for, you know, the the damsel in this case. You know, Starla has to start over and I, I like those kind of stories. So We'll be talking about that. But again, I forgot to edit this in when we were talking because we kind of went in the middle of the episode and started talking. Because sometimes I forget to hit the, the on button, like a lot. Sorry. But what we're going to be doing is we will be discussing this in just a moment. And I definitely want to say thank you so much for coming on, Kristen. She's never done a podcast before, so it meant a, a lot. And I'm glad we could talk about a book that she really, really liked. So now you guys can listen. <laughs> Enjoy Kristen and I discussing more <laughs> than we bargained for. I'm saying I haven't had sleep in hmm, about 15 hours. So I'm a little loopier than normal. But thankfully not in the episode because I was actually sleeping during that day. <laughs> okay, guys. Enjoy. at this point in my life like you know there there's no major issues or cause of (laughs) crying in the in the middle of somewhere but i mean the other book was well written it was just not what i was expecting you're just not in a place to read that right now exactly especially not at christmas and it was a christmas book yeah i was like that's you know what you could have put that in january november (laughs) that would have been fine but that's a lot of emotional leverage and so it was really nice to see with like Starla and Sawyer it was it was nice to see um not just a happy ending but you know a functioning family <laughs> not always possible yeah well I mean it, it wasn't at first she didn't have a functioning yeah. family That's... oh yeah no don't no I, I would definitely say her her first husband was not functioning in any way shape or form to say the least yeah i mean like so i read all the books in the series all the timber falls books have you read them no i've only read this one this is my first fiona west i had read um in my personal opinion this one's the best my mom reads all the romances that i copy edit (laughs) and so um not the other genres but if it's a romance um (laughs) She likes to see my name in the back of the book, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> she'll like screenshot it and send it to me and I'll be like, mom, I know. <laughs> but, but the point is, it's like, she's proud and it's a yeah. genre she likes, so let's run with this. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, I mean, she, she didn't think this one was as good as the previous one. Um, uh-huh. But to me, this one is my favorite and I don't know if that's because I love Starla so much. <laughs> And how she's so, she's so real. Like she's yeah. so, she's damaged and she knows it and the people around her know it. And 
they love her. And she doesn't it. hide from it. Right. You see her break. And I cried when I got to that point. And I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> like, I just, you know, it's also interesting to me. Like, you don't see a lot of romances that feature pe- people with kids. I was going to say older heroines, but she's not older. Because she, she's the age I was when I had my first child. <laughs> so she's like, yeah. Because she was so young when she had yeah. Aiden. Yep. Um, but you don't see... And I'm not in any, I don't know it's going to sound funny, like, I'm very happily married, have been for 14 years, like, I'm not thinking in any way that I'm going to have to have a romance with children. But you don't see it often, and you don't see in a book, like, someone be so wholeheartedly accepted with their children, and especially pregnant by another person. (laughs) And to add to that, also, like, with the, um, like, with Aiden, he's, he's damaged, too. Like, this is all left something on him. And with Starla not really talking about it, I think it's, it's real in that way, too. Because there's, like, you don't know how to adjust to things when you're, you know, young. Like, you don't, you don't understand what's going on. You only know what you think should be going on. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. And I, I appreciated the fact that, you know, the, the, like, as the oldest, he kind of has to adjust differently. Yeah, I just randomly opened up. I have the paperback. I just randomly opened it up to the page where she tells him that she's pregnant. He's like, why are you sleeping all the time? Are you sick? And she's like, oh, you know, have we talked about where babies come from? And he's like, oh, gross, mom, come on. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, like, I'm pregnant. And then he storms out, slams the door, and says, who's going to take care of us? And, like, yeah. that was so powerful. Coming from a child, it made you stop and think, like, how to see that from the kid's perspective, too. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, you can, the dam- the damage is not just in, like, the Charlie was, you know, his infidelity and breaking of the family, it's also in the lack of things being said, right? Because, like, I, God bless it, I don't always like Reddit, but there is one thing that Reddit says a lot, and it's, you know, whenever something traumatic happens to a family, always put your kids in a way that they can find someone to talk to. Whether that's, like, a therapist, you know, someone from your church, someone from their school, <laughs> like right. just find someone they can trust so they can open up. And so you can know what they're going through, get some feedback and, and an adult, like an adult can kind of like interpret it for you so you can know what's going on. Right. And you don't start to see Aiden heal at all until he starts talking to Sawyer, like spending yeah. time outside with him with his tools and his motorcycles and stuff. It's something to focus on. Right? Like, it's not, it's, you know, I've known, I've known a lot of people that come from broken homes, myself being one of them, but I've known a lot of people that come from broken homes and not addressing it in a way that is open, it's very damaging many years down the line. So, you know, it's, it's nice that, you know, Aiden can have someone to talk to and find some way of finding that bond he doesn't have right now because like he's so close with his dad, but his dad doesn't live with him. There's no one there that can help him at, you know, for well, and his dad is the cause of it. So it's, right. it's another complicated part. Like he can't what's he supposed to do be like, dad, why'd you do that? Exactly. 
which would actually be really healthy to have that conversation <laughs> probably yeah it really would like that but, i was kind of hoping there was going to be some more of those conversations honestly in it because i think it was i was rooting for the kids so hard i i felt for them so badly because not only did their lives like get turned upside down but now it's even more twisted from having uh you know a younger sibling that they weren't even consulted on you know like they didn't really have a they didn't really they weren't able to be like okay what's going on with this mom dad have some we need to communicate more right and, yeah i mean you know, she kind of just drops it on them because she has to Mm-hmm. she's getting to a place where she can't not and she and like it i think being from a child from a like divorced parents i and some drama i get it I, I get where Aiden's coming from so very well. It's so interesting because I never, I never thought about it from that perspective. I was more like identifying with Starla, not yeah. which. Every time I say that, I feel like I have to qualify that like I have a wonderful husband. He's always been faithful. I'm not like I don't identify with her in that sense, but as I guess as much as she tries so hard to do what's right for her kids. And she still screws it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, well, and... that as a mother, I'm like, I try so hard to do what's right for my kids. But like, I don't always know what that is. And I have my own baggage and things that go, that I carry with me that come out or prevent me from having those conversations. Like, she should have had a conversation with her son. Mm -hmm. After she left him at the library, she should have talked to him about that. Yeah. Because there was a lot that needed to be said that was not being said. And that's that's something that, like, whether she realizes it or not, it's going to be in his head for the rest of his life. Like, you... Yeah. <laughs> you, like, there's a level of abandonment that comes with that because his father has abandoned him by not being there. His mother has, like, you know, moved that abandonment by leaving his father. <laughs> And now, you know, it's just like you, you have to have these conversations and I get it. Cause like when you're in, in the moment, you can't always think about it, but you have to go back and backtrack. That's so interesting again. Cause I, I remember having a conversation on Twitter, um, hearing that some like early reviewers of the book thought that that scene was like made her irredeemable. And to me, it doesn't. Because I think she stopped herself before she said, I didn't plan you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like she, she didn't go all the way. She kind of like had the presence of mind in the moment to realize, whoa, I don't want to do that to him while still going a little bit too far. To me, that was like her moment, like her darkest moment. It showed yeah, us how broken Starla really was. I can I can see the irredeemable side of that deeply. <laughs> Again, I come from a world of brokenness, but yeah. um, I can say that it didn't irredeem her to me, but it put a mark on Starla for that. Not because of not because of the fact that she had that reaction, but because she didn't follow up with a way of communicating with her child. You know, like like if she had said, if she had clearly said. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I did this wrong. I am so sorry. Do you yeah. remember that scene? Like, this is a really bad example, but do you remember that scene in Roseanne where she hits DJ? Yeah. 
and they sit down at the coffee table and they have a conversation he's like okay i did this wrong i'm bad i you have to be punished for what you did but you didn't deserve what you got out of me right, right? like it, it wasn't your your actions were not what caused this it's other people but i took it out on the wrong person and that was not okay and yeah. i think that that's i think that's what maybe what the readers were looking for as well that that re that redemption in that moment of saying okay i messed up here's what i did wrong we need to get you into counseling we need to get you some way of feeling secure because obviously you're not feeling it right now and i'm i'm failing on my job and why are you not seeing that yeah so I, I can see that because i i felt very similarly i was like she left her kid no dirt <laughs> put him in time out, but go get him back. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, right. But I, I understand being so broken that you mentally can't. Everything is not right. Like nothing is ever feels like it's going to be right again, because you've got all these things coming through on you and it's just, it's too much. Yeah. And so something has to break. And unfortunately it was her relationship with her son in that moment. Right. When really, I think she should have been breaking her relationship with her family. Her parents, for instance. Right, her parents are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love when she stands up for herself outside of the church. Oh, yeah. Like, gets up on a rock and is like, just says this it all is out me. Loud. Yeah. Fiona, in the book, it was set in the Pacific Northwest. But honestly, to me, it sounded more like, um, I grew up in Georgia. So I grew up in the state of, to clarify, it's not the country of. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the state of, and... You know, it, it felt very similar to the smaller towns that I have around here, which makes sense because of Sawyer's background. It's a good, like, yeah. middle point, I think. But it just, you know, so when he would say things, I'd be like, oh, no, this makes sense to me. This make, this is my language. I got that. But it was very, like, it felt more, more like an East Coast than West Coast, in my mind. Because okay. Most West Coast, you know, you, you read them, they're like in Denver or not West Coast, but Western. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, you, you see it more in like that or maybe like the, like, I don't know, the mountains of like um, Washington or Oregon in that area, you know, the, the plateau area. So it didn't, it, it felt more Southern to me in that way okay. than another way. But I don't know, maybe it's because I've read all the books in the series so far, so like... I feel like I've spent an awful lot of time in Timber Falls. <laughs> that that may actually be. <laughs> so, and I've seen, you know, the the other. I guess I've read enough to make it feel more like Western. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it's easier now. Like now I'm in California, so it feels closer. Um, yeah. I'm from the East Coast. I've only been in California for a year and a half. Um, Ooh. And big uh, change. Yeah, we came out here in June of 2019 uh, for my husband's job. So half the time we've been here, we've been basically housebound. <laughs> um, yes, because cause California has been very big on housebounding people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my kids were in school for nine months and then we did distance learning and then I pulled them out and just homeschooled because I hated distance learning. Um so it's been a whole up and down year. So I feel like I'm like, in a way, I like that it's West Coast because 
that's where I am now. And I feel so like in a foreign land. Yeah. I'm like, very familiar with that term. Foreign I like, yeah, I know. That's what I almost feel like I'd be more comfortable overseas. Not that, I mean, I, I lived, I studied in Italy in college. Um, and then I did a little bit of travel, um, just like a week at a time, um, before kids. Yeah. But I haven't been, I haven't been out of the country. Gosh, I don't know. A long time. <laughs> 10 years. Um, the, the first time I went out of the country was when I moved. Well, I mean, I went when I was little, I went to Mexico, but like that didn't count cause I was eight, but like as a grown up, this was my first time out of the u.s i moved to a different country wow that's that's big that's bigger yeah. than moving from virginia to california <laughs> i don't know man virginia and california are very different <laughs> they are i was in northern virginia though so we're like you know right outside dc they're like i it's like when i went to southern virginia i'd be glad i had virginia plates on my car they'd be yeah. like okay they don't know i don't belong here <laughs> yeah no I, I had a family member of sorts you know southern so weird connections and they they lived in chesapeake and then they lived in the mountains and vastly different yeah i mean i was born and raised in metro atlanta so also okay. vastly different so i get it yeah if you go north or you go south it's completely different you can't see my face but i just made the big wide-eyed look <laughs> um <laughs> I think it's really interesting that you felt like Sawyer was written well as being from Georgia. Yeah. I mean, like he did, he did, he like read like, um, when I was reading him, I read him as somewhere from being like, um, there's a place. Okay. So there's places outside of Atlanta that are within Atlanta and there's like, um, Conyers and Covington, uh, Conyers is mostly known for the musician Erica Jane and other issues, but um, it felt more like he was from there. And and I meant I say that because it's it's maybe like forty minutes outside of Atlanta, but it's rural. Okay. Or, you know, if you were to go like if you go up north from Atlanta, maybe about an hour and a half, you're almost in Tennessee. So between an hour and a half and two hours you're at the Tennessee border. And so it's you know, it felt like he was in those kind of like that circle of of Georgia. Um, it's a little bit further. Like Conyers is a little bit further, but it's, you know, on the way, like you go through it a lot when you go through to go to like South Carolina and stuff like that to get on the highways. And okay. Stuff. So it felt like that. So what did you think about when Starla like up and moved to Arizona? I understood that completely. To me, that was like, I understood. I wish we'd seen more of that. Of her being in Arizona, I wanted to see more of that, and that's because, hey, obviously I just did that. Well, <laughs> but further, but also, but I got it because she needed her, um, she needed her independence, and she needed to see where her value was, without having a guy around. Because I mean, she'd had Charlie since high school, and then she had Sawyer, but she'd never seen what she could do on her own. Yeah. And so to me, that felt so completely in character for that. Because, um, do you remember the show, uh, Christy? No. It had Kelly Martin in it. So it was set in like the Appalachian Mountains of like 1912 or something. But I mention it because Tess Harper played a character named Fairlight. 
And so I kept, for some reason in my head, I kept seeing like Fairlight and Starla together. And by that, I mean Fair Fairlight was a very, um, she was like someone that was very much in charge of her own way. I mean, she, it was Christian, so there was that element, but she was in her own way. And, you know, she was strong and she was powerful, but she also had her moments of weakness. And I, I for some reason, I kept seeing Tess Harper is that. Um, Tess Harper is an actress whose her first one was in her first movie was with Robert Duvall. I can't remember the name of it, but you know, in my head, I was just seeing this, and so I, I could see her wanting to move, wanting to put down that independence, and needing to say, "Okay, I can do this. I don't have to do this, but I can do this." And I think I don't think she'd ever been given that opportunity because she'd been, you know, married to Charlie and he was in charge of so much. I mean, she was a librarian and she did that. But like a lot of their social like equity, I guess, went through him. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like, yeah, she hers was not because she was scandal ridden because she got pregnant. So it's so I, I funny. Like I, I have these dreams sometimes that like. And it's weird because it's always like me, I'm, I met my husband in college, our first year of college, and we got married right after we graduated. And we didn't have kids for another five years. So like, I graduated college, you know, and then I got married and I did like everything in the right order, right? And <laughs> in my dreams, it's all mixed up. We're like back in college, but we're married, but we can't live together, but I have a baby. And because I have the baby, I keep failing my classes and like all this, it like, it's so mixed up. But like, it's like I seem I I've had dreams not in real life but like dreams of being, you know, Starla walking across the stage at graduation, pregnant, and like feeling that and I don't know I don't know why but <laughs> I feel like Starla could be there are so many people in the world who could be her. Yes, there there are a lot of women that got married young. You know, fresh out of basically fresh out of you know high school, they they don't always get to find their way before a way has already been put in their path. Right. Right. Like they don't get to explore what they want to do. It's always what someone else wants to do. And I think that's that's what I got from a lot from her early, not later, but like in her her early parts of it with you know talking about Charlie, like that Valentine's Day that he brings her brings um their daughter home and you you see her missing that nostalgia but also realizing it can't be anything more than this one night because everything is irrevocably broken not only in her life but also in her dreams because this is not what she wanted right they they had problems but they got to, but they but she felt like they could get through them Right. And then he broke everything and then wanted her back because she finally stood up and said, that's enough, which great for feeling validation on being awesome, but not <laughs> great when you're trying to, you know, raise two kids, figure out how to pay your rent, you know, be pregnant, be in a small town. Right. It, it's a lot to, to force her into. And I think that that's something that a lot of women can 
understand really well. Yeah, I think so. And I think, like, I mean, how many girls are there like Starla who just, you know, luckily didn't get pregnant and got on, got to go on and live their lives, you know? And she, that's what happened to her. And then she made all those decisions for her children. Like, you know, she stayed in her marriage for the longest time. She got married because of her son. She stayed in her marriage because of her son and her daughter. And then ultimately left her marriage for her, but also for the kids. Like, I think, I feel like it was being with Aiden walking in that really set it over the edge. Because, you know, she talks about finding things in her bed before, you know, like she knew. But it was like, once it was so clearly out in front of her kids... There was nothing else that could happen but to leave, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to raise kids where they feel like a it's okay, but b that like someone else's whims and their selfishness is something you have to hold on to, and especially as a mother with a daughter, most especially with a daughter. Yeah, like she showed her daughter that you don't let a man treat you like that. <laughs> exactly. But I feel like for Starla, like, I think so much of what she does is motivated by what's best for her children until she gets to that point where she leaves Aiden at the library and she moves to Arizona, even though they don't want her to. They don't want to. Right. Um, And she needed that. She needed to become her own person. Mm-hmm. And to... And to find a way of, of knowing where and how she can survive if something happens. You know, like, because, like, we, we're often put through trials after we've already been through a trial. That's what I always call it. Like, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of crap in my life, to put it lightly. And, but it works. Like, I I learned something from it, and then I'm like, okay, great. And then there's yet another thing that sets me back. And so you have to find a way to re-find yourself in order to be strong. And she had to move. Like, she she physically had to remove herself from the situation to find someone that that could help her, and that was herself. Not, Not Sawyer, you know, not her friends. It had to be her. Mm-hmm. Because she'd never had that ability on her own. The decisions that already had already been made for her once she got pregnant and had Aiden. Like she could have been a single mom, but yeah, but at that point she was that way. No, she and she been was like nineteen, yeah. and she was head over heels for Charlie at that point mm-hmm. still too. So <laughs> she, you know, first loves can be damaging <laughs> sometimes. To your self-esteem. They're not always, like, sometimes they turn out great. Sometimes, like, you get the, you know, young adult romance, but you don't often do. Right. So it's nice to, to show that you can be hurt and damaged and have that, that kind of, like, happiness veil come off and still be able to move on and not let it continuously hurt you yeah which i think i i appreciate that and that's a lot that's why i read a lot 
a lot of romance, honestly. It's just because I need that. I need that optimism. But it's like a realistic optimism, right? It's not like, you know, head in the clouds. It's, okay, we can do this. Here's how we do this. A, B, C, D. Yes. Right? Where, you know, instead of the... Like, I've been watching a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies. Okay. I love them more than life itself sometimes because it's very, like, relaxing to me. I, I It's kind of like reading a romance. I know the beats. I know how things are going to go. I can follow along. And so we've been watching it, and um, we just recorded an episode for Cross Country Christmas, which has got um, Rachel Lee Cook in it. Okay. And, you know, it, it's interesting because you're watching her, the character Lena, you're watching her kind of be herself and be optimistic and, and go forward, but you also see her be like, okay, I can't fix this no matter how much I try, so I just have to, like, stand back and find a way to to help without being too much, right? And I think that sometimes that's what, like, Starla needed that. She needed someone that was going to be like, okay, I can't fix it for you because that takes away so much of her agency that she was missing so much from that marriage. Yeah. And that and that life that she had. But she needed someone that would be standing there and be like, okay, you call me, I need, you, you call me, I'm there. Yeah. Back off. Cool. So, you know, like, let me know what you need. And I think that that was hard for her, too, to be open and vulnerable in that because she had been, she would gotten into the, the complacency of not necessarily opening up. And I say complacency because after a while it does become like this thing that you just, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to say anything to your friends and family. You don't want to go into all that. Because then you have to start answering questions and then it starts to hurt you when you have to look into yourself. So it's kind of like this this complacency of, okay, I'm not going to move that. <laughs> yeah. It stays over there. I stay over here. We just keep pushing it further away. Or as I call it, um, I think it was a, uh, what was her name? Faith Hunter has a book series under another name. I cannot remember what it's under, but... Um, and she has a uh, series where she's got some, like, 1980s, 1990s, like, gothic horror in it. And the, one of the characters that is having a lot of issues, she has, she says she's got a hat box. And she puts it in her head, like, in her mind. And so she just keeps putting the things in that hurt. Mm -hmm. And so after a while, the, it grows and gets bigger and bigger. And she just pushes it further in the shelf in her mind. And I think that that's kind of what Starla had to do, right? Like, you have to push it away. Like, nope, can't discuss it, can't talk about it, don't have time for it, don't have the energy for it, don't have the resources for it. So, But then she couldn't do that anymore, and that completely set her apart. Like, her whole world was just, like, different in that one moment. Yeah. Because the kids were exposed. And that's, I will say, I wish that she had discussed that with Aiden, too. Like, what he saw. That open communication of, what did you see? Because I think yeah. that would have, I think that would have bridged that gap that was broken when she left him, as well. Like, okay, do you know why these things are going? I'm not going to give you the full ride, because you're, like, nine. But, like, what, what do you think happened? What, how right. can I help you understand what's going on? You know, and it's. I think that that was, that was one thing that I really wish they'd that they'd been a little bit more focused on because I think it was important to the, to the plot I, line. I thought. Yeah. Okay. See, I don't know that I would have said. I think that if 
you know, these were real people in real life, that that would be, that would be what you would ultimately want her to do. I don't know that she had the capability to do that. I, I don't think she did. I just think that it was, I don't think she necessarily had to have like the long conversation, but I think she needed to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to acknowledge it was like a 35 minute conversation, but be like, you know, Hey, do it over like a couple of, you know, months. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, slowly open it up. So that way. Right. Or have someone, son... some other character say to her, you know, Hey, Starla, have you talked to Aiden about this? Exactly. Like, you know, just something to kind of be like, hey, you realize he's acting out because he's confused and hurt and worried and his whole world is blown apart, right? Like, we need to, ha you need to have, like, conversations, right? Like, go to the ice cream shop with him one day after. <laughs> like, right. I can watch, I can watch, you know, I can watch the kids. You take your son and we go have a conversation. So that way... There's, there's just like, I felt bad because I felt like in some ways Aiden lost both his parents at one time in different ways. Because his mom had stopped being this kind of mom he knew in that moment. And his dad was just, you know, gone. Was removed from from the everyday monotony of life. Right. And so I, I think that at nine years old that can be really confusing and frustrating. And I wanted to see it because... I liked him with both Starla and Sawyer. I I liked him as like I usually don't always like kids because kids can be precocious too often and uh -huh. it felt like Aiden wasn't. And so I wanted him to have that because I felt like it would be really good to have him have that closure because it would close out that entire chapter of their past before moving on to the future. Because, like I said, I liked it, and I liked that, like, you know, I, I liked that he and he and Sawyer had their own communication tools. Because yeah. like, my stepdad and I have got completely different communication tools that my dad and I do. Completely different topics in completely different ways. And I, I wanted to see that so it could kind of, like, uh, give Aiden back his, his agency as well a little bit. Like, his agency to be who he was versus who he felt like he had to be. You know, because, like, I think he felt like he had to be the man of the house because suddenly the man wasn't there. Right. At nine years old, how are you going to be the man of the house? Right. That's so interesting what our our own lived experiences bring to how we interpret different characters. Because I I didn't see any of that with Aiden. Like, I just didn't give it that much thought. Like, I have like I have a nine-year-old daughter. This is a nine-year-old boy. Like, it was more like I, like, lived as Starla in the book. Yeah. Like, everything I saw was through her eyes. And what you're bringing up about Aiden makes me think, like, wow, how would I see things, like, as through my child's eyes? And that even when I think I'm doing the right thing. Like, how is that perceived? And what responsibility is that child taking on to themselves? I will say as, like, children of divorced parents, we often take on more responsibility than we should because we feel like we have to. Um, and especially, like, if it's something, like, 
a major event. Like, it's not like, you know, mom and dad just, you know, divorced because they didn't like the color green. You know, I, I understand, like, being a divorced parent, and I understand being, um, not being a divorced parent, but being a divorced kid of parents, I should say. And right. I can understand, like, it's really hard as a mom. I mean, especially, like, now, 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago, single moms have got really hard lives. Um, but, yeah, looking at it, I, I guess I understood Aiden a lot because I saw bits of, of all the kids that I knew besides myself. Yeah. So I could understand where he was coming from. And I think that's what kind of like. You don't feel like he got what he needed. Right. I feel like he was missing that. I think he was missing that little bit of closure. So because, I mean, he was getting a whole new life and that was an amazing thing for him. That's what he needed. He needed to have a different life. And like, you know, he he was down for Sawyer and he, you know, he liked the responsibility but I think that the conversation should have been had for his benefit because I think it would have helped facilitate his his mental his mental statement of being like you know he's got like there's 10 years difference between him and his youngest sibling now basically Mm -hmm. and 10 years is a lot yeah like you know it's a huge difference in not just generate not just generational because depending on when you're born, sometimes it can be an entire generation, but, um, but also like there are things that you're not going to know or understand. And it's easier if you have that ability in some ways. Cause like I'm, so my, my youngest sibling is my stepbrother and we're eight and a half years apart. And I know that there are things that like when he was younger, he would talk about and I would not understand yeah, so my if, if, my youngest brother is eight and a half years younger than me. I'm the oldest of five, and he's the youngest. So there are, you know, three more in the middle. But we, it's like we had totally different lives. <laughs> exactly. And it's the same thing because, like, you know, he's the youngest out of all of us um, because uh, my step my uh, stepfather has two daughters, and I have an older brother. So, again, I'm almost 40. So... You know, that's a huge difference in time. And so it, it's very important to to note that, like, I think that giving him that giving him that time now would have been helpful because he knows he's not going to get the time with having two younger siblings now. One was enough of taking time away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two, and one of them being a baby when you're 10 is huge when, you, when you're trying to, like, um, redefine your life in some way. Because, like, not, like, redefine it like you're, like, 35 but redefine it when you're 10 is still huge because 10 years is like when you're 10 years old that's you're starting to transition from kid to preteen and teen and there's a lot of different things going on in your mind but I did appreciate the fact that Charlie like you know let go of some things and handled you know making sure Aiden was solid and I, I appreciated that because I think that's what he needed from the beginning. He needed to know it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his, like, e- like even if he didn't see what she thought he saw, uh-huh. there's still that feeling of, okay, well, my, I was, like, with my mom and we left. Right. No one's Some, me I don't know exactly on. what's going on, but it was clearly bad enough to make mom really upset. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, mom left dad, so obviously this was huge. And, you know, I was there with her, and I don't know. And so there's, a, like, it's just it's something I really wanted to see more of, I think. You know, and, like, 
I think I wanted to see it too because I wanted to see it help shape and see how Charlie and Sawyer were both going to shape Aiden. Like, not that we're going to see it because, you know, it's like many years in the future, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, like we're influenced by the people around us. So I wanted to see how – I wanted to give him that little bit of closure so he could be free to be who he wanted to be. Because, um, like, you know, it's going to be also difficult because with Sawyer's MS – as it progresses, he's going to also be somewhat responsible in helping take care of Sawyer. And I don't mean that, like, you know, Sawyer's going to need, like, a person all the time, like a caretaker. But just sure. there, there are situations where you're going to have to be the person to, you know, go get the clothes or, you know, go call 911 or, you know, it, it's a change. In well, I mean, even that, your whole life just adapts. Like, I, I mean, so um, my mother-in-law has MS. And when I first met my husband, we were freshmen in college, you know, we were 18, 19. Um, and his, he's the oldest, so his younger siblings all still lived at home. Um, you know, and there are definitely just, like, ways that their life was different. Mm-hmm. Even simple stuff, like, this is going to sound funny, but, like, she had an unusual MS symptom where she was always cold. Usually people with MS are hot. Hers was the reverse. So their house was, like, 77 degrees all the time. And it's just a life adaptation. Like, they all knew. Like, you go home from school and you change back into shorts. Like, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. Like, you're going to sweat in the house. But, like, she had to have it that way. And so, you're right in that sense. Like, things... (laughs) Aiden's life, there will be things to pay attention to that will be different if Sawyer didn't have MS. Yeah, I, I think, like, I, I don't have MS, but I have diabetes, type 1. I clarify that because everyone thinks I have type 2, and no, I wish I did have <laughs> type 1, which is a, it's an autoimmune disease. And so there are things that affect me every day. And I know that if, if I do end up having a child, that at some point, you know, when I get older, that's going to affect my child. Because, you know, when I'm... 75 i'm probably going to have a lot of health issues that say someone else's you know mom is not going to have at that age and so i i have to be aware of that mm-hmm. you know and i have to be aware of the fact that you know like it's going to be a high-risk pregnancy right so i probably will only have one child just for the sake of of all the health issues that can come with it being a diabetic and so it you think about it and you're like okay do i want to do I want to put this pressure and all this on a child? Well, and that's not, exactly what not, Sawyer... Not a child, but yeah. Sawyer didn't. Yeah. I mean, that was exactly. his whole thing, right? He was like, mm-hmm. don't... Like, nobody can treat me like an invalid. Like, back off, I'm fine. Except, I'm damaged goods, so don't don't love me. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you it's... sign on for this? Mm-hmm. But I think that's another thing that's just, like, realistic. Like, we all have that kind of stuff like i have mental health struggles what i do i like the impact that that has on my children no (laughs) um but i still wouldn't i don't know i'm still lovable right like i'm still worthy of my children's love i can still mother them i can and I'm mostly fine right now, but there are adaptations to my life 
yep. that I have to make. Like, I can't take my kids to Disney World. I had to leave Disney World last year because anxiety, like, too many people, too much going on. Like, I can't. And they don't understand that, you know? Like, why can't mom come on the rides with us? Why won't mom do this? Why did mom leave? Yeah. You know, like, because mom was about to have a panic attack. Like, and leaving just was the right thing. And I have, thankfully, you know, a spouse who could see that. He looked at me, he's like, you're leaving, you're going home. I'm going to take you home. And then his dad was like, I think your kids will do better if you stay here. I'll take her. And he did. Yeah. And it was, it was great. Like, I was fine as soon as I left. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my husband's basically Pressure like, off. nope, you may not come again. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like, you know, fine like, with me. that's fine. <laughs> like, like, you, you go enjoy all the crowds. I'll stay here yeah, with my book. Exactly. But that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, as humans, we all have flaws. And that's what I loved so much, I think, about More Than We Bargained For, is that Sawyer and Starla are both flawed. They're both yes. damaged. They both have their own things. Like, for Sawyer, it's a health thing. And all the on the consequences of that for him. Hmm. And for Starla, you know, it, it wasn't her health, but it, it's other stuff. And, like, they both have – I love seeing that they support each other. Yeah. I, I did, too, because, like, well, you mentioned that and, like, mentioning my type 1, I have a lot of issues with um, – my sugars can go up and down, up and down, up and down. Like, when I say up and down, like – it can go from like 280, it should be around 140. It can go from 280 randomly in the morning to me taking my medicine and it hitting like 50. Not because I overtook it, just because my hormones shift in that, you know, mm-hmm. 20 minutes time. You you suddenly can't, like, your world comes different, right? And so my husband's had to call the EMTs for me to make sure I didn't die. Like I was, I was non-responsive to the EMTs for half an hour when they gave me like the, the dextrose in my, in my system. So I get it. Like I, I understood Sawyer in that moment. Cause I get it. Cause I'm like, I've, I've told him, I'm like, why are you with me? Why do you, why are you here? Why do you love me this much to risk everything taking care of me if something happens? And he's like, because I love you. You're going to make me cry. But I felt the same thing. Like, you know, I, I've had these, it's, it's mental health, but like, I've had such dark times and my husband has loved me and supported me through it. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> like, right. Why? And he's like, well, I love you. And I'm like, I know, but sometimes I can't understand. Like, can you because... explain it to me in words that make sense to me? Because I don't get it. Because you know we're just going to deal with this crap for the rest of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's never going to stop. And I know now, having been so low so many times, that I can come back from it. So I don't have that same, like, depth of despair. Yeah. But it's so much work. Oh, yeah. And effort. And... For all of us. Oh, yeah. I I understand that, too, because I will flat out say there was a point where I was suicidal. Like, I was looking up how to kill myself. And I mentioned this because not even my love for my then-fiancé, now-husband, could keep me here. But he still kept loving me. He understood. When I had my miscarriage, 
it was absolutely I, I could feel myself spiraling. Like I, I noticed the signs. I know it was coming because mm-hmm. my depression hits high enough. And when you add depression, ADHD, and anxiety all together, it's a malstorm. And so he was like, okay, we got to go get a dog. So we got me a dog. <laughs> because he was like, because he knew that like when I was living where I was at the time when I was suicidal, that taking care of the cats was the only thing that kept me alive. Because I knew that no one else would take care of them as well as I was. That, that was my tether. And you my know, tether was that I was pregnant and I couldn't figure out how she would live if I didn't see, you know, but like my husband sat with me in the emergency room and when they were like, you don't need to be admitted. He advocated for me. He was like, no, you have to do something for her. And we got me into a partial program where I went all day for a bunch of days for a bunch of weeks. And then I got on bed rest and I had to stop doing that and whatever, but <laughs> the whole long story, but like, but I get that you have to have, you know, and he's gone. We were already married, but like he's gone through that with me. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. You see the signs and he'll be like, okay, we have to change something. That this week was he's gotten up for the past four nights with our toddler son because I woke up a couple days ago and I was like, I'm okay right now. But remember that PPD lack of sleep thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I haven't slept more than three hours in a row in over a week and I'm going to break. Because your body can't. I I can't. You can't do it. My body can physically get up and keep going. But my brain, like short circuits, it's done. And then, you know, and so automatic. Yeah. He's done that for the past four nights for me. And like, that's just, I mean, some people would say, and I would, I would agree. Like, that's what a marriage is. And that's you you commit to loving each other by doing what you need to do for each other um but you know that in real life that's not what everybody has exactly and a lot of people don't i mean even the people that are married do not always have advocates for for their partners like i will advocate for my husband until the day i die like i was in my 30s when we met we met online <laughs> we met on okcupid um but we've, you know, been together for seven years now. And so a little over seven, like seven and a half years, somewhere around there. And, you know, being with him, advocating for him and him advocating for me is, it's a feeling of safety. Yes. That you don't always expect when you have so many issues that, like, I can call myself damaged because I think everybody is in some way. Some Something in somewhere has damaged somebody, right? Right. But, you know, my damagedness isn't, it isn't a, a stopper for him. It's an, okay, well, we'll adapt. Because, like, there are days where I wake up where I can't move. I don't know why. There's been no answers for it. But, like, it's just, like, move. Like, I can't even walk go out and walk the dog. Because, like, moving my body, like, this morning, I was so sore I couldn't move. Um... And so I'm like, okay, I can't walk the dog. So he comes back directly from work because he works early, early mornings. He'll come home directly. He'll have gone to the grocery store, done all this stuff, bringing, you know, on his bicycle because we don't have a car. And I can't drive here, so we don't have a car. And so, you know, he's been on the bicycle at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. He's been working. He's gone to the grocery store. He comes back and he still gets up and takes the dog out and still makes me breakfast. When I feel like I should be doing that since I'm at home, right? Like, that, that's 
part of a partnership is is separating the the jobs right like okay so you're going out so i should be the one doing the the one but i can't it's so, so he's funny like, okay, we had that conversation yesterday i was like christmas dinner is gonna be ruined and it's my job and he was like why is it your job and i was like it just is Cause like, a, cause you, but it, yeah but it doesn't have to be and i was like what I should know this after 14 years of marriage, but like, I'm sorry, it's not my responsibility, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, I cooked the rest of dinner and then I kind of looked at it and I was like, everything's ready, but I don't, I didn't make a vegetable. And he's like, we have leftover salad, don't we? It's good enough. You're, it's good enough. You dig, like, it's wonderful. And I, I feel like, I, so I think I had a hard time with romance for a while because I feel like romance is only good when you see that authentic love. Yeah. And that is something that I love about Fiona West's books is that her characters show that authentic love. Like Sawyer takes care of Starla mm -hmm. because he cares about her. With and like out the book like, fairy. And yeah, without an expectation mm -hmm. or a need for something in return. He just shows his love and, and that's important it's amazing and so like i love that when i read romance now like i don't read like and be like oh i wish i had that i read and i'm like i have that it's awesome <laughs> like, exactly no, I, I absolutely get that that is so like yes that is why i read romance because i'm like okay like there, there are some subgenres and some things I can't read. Like I can't read the billionaire books. I can't read like you know a lot of the insta love. I can't read those because like I just I don't connect with them. And, right. You know that makes me different from some reviewers. But like I I can't do it. like I could do like, let me phrase that. I can do faded mates because I understand faded mates. I don't lo I don't understand instant love with characters you just met. But like you establish that someone's a werewolf or like a vampire. Okay, cool. I have some tropes I can run with now. <laughs> I know what to expect with these characters because there are some things that are just found throughout the the genre. But like I have a lot of issues. But like I I liked the fact that like Sawyer put in the time without saying anything because he had obviously been in love with her when she was still married to Charlie. Yeah. But he didn't say anything. And that's, that's like, it was like, okay, I, I'm definitely into you, but I can't say that because you are like, not only are you in a marriage and no matter how bad the marriage is, it's still, you're married, but right. also it's not my place. Right. And there was, um, I'm talking about another book, another movie we watched earlier, but there was a movie on TV one that we saw on you know other methods here because we don't have any of the holiday movies here okay. and there was one called christmas dilemma and in it like one of the characters is the husband's ex-girlfriend is is there in the house because she's the aide of the grandma and you know the the aide is like the ex-girlfriend is like you know i i'm in love with your husband but i'm not touching anything i'm not doing anything because that's not my place. My feelings are not his or your responsibility. Right. Basically, you know, and that's that that's what I appreciated about Sawyer because he was like, okay, this is not it. Yeah. Like, like you, you being in a relationship is was you being in a relationship, not me. Right. And so I thought that was so 
helpful and like doing the book fairy stuff and stuff like that it was it was a way of making her feel special even though it was killing her not to know who it was <laughs> but it, it was mattered right you know and it helped to like because i got the feeling that the library was very small so it wasn't like a huge funded library so having those kind of help it really helped kind of diversify the the reading list of the area around too, mm -hmm. giving more people more options that they may not have found otherwise. And I thought that was really nice too, by, by putting it in there. Yeah. Like the Terry Pratchett thing made me laugh again. Cause my husband loves Terry Pratchett. Yeah. It's like his favorite author ever. But when I can't sleep, my husband reads me Terry Pratchett. Oh, like he reads it aloud to me with the voices and everything. So to me, Terry Pratchett and I have got a profoundly deep <laughs> relationship when I'd never heard of him before I met my husband. So, you know, it's things like that, that kind of, it's the knowledge of those around that matter. And it's obvious that Sawyer cared about the, 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 you know, people in the town, even though he didn't want to, because he knew some of these things. He's like, no, no, you should check out this. No, yeah. no. Next week, maybe check out that. Right. Like, maybe you should be paying attention to what's coming in the library because a lot of it's really good. <laughs> Some of it may be for certain people not named Starla if you take a closer look. Right. And I think that that helped him because he was so moralist without being able to be a surgeon and being in medical field. And, you know, the, the whole thing was like, he mentioned Emery and I laughed. Because if we have a future son, Emery is part of the name, but spelled differently because it's a diminutive of my husband's name. Okay. But also, I wanted the name Emery because it was something that, history aside, the, the name means something to me because it's Atlanta-based. Right. right. And so I get it. So when he mentioned Emery, I was like, oh, yeah, that would suck to have to go through Emery and then not. Because Emery is not cheap. <laughs> it's no. a very expensive university to go to. I remember and, telling my parents I really wanted to go there. And we were down in Atlanta for something for my dad's work. And my mom drove me to the campus. We drove onto the campus. We were there for like 30 seconds. I was like, I don't like it. We're leaving. They were so mad. <laughs> I was like, only like a 17-year-old would do that. Yes. You know, like now I would be like, oh, yeah, it's nice. Let's walk around. Yeah. Because it's like, it's in like the best location too, like downtown Decatur, great. Like you can get everything there, including a bus transit system, which was not always possible when you live like 30 minutes north. Because uh, <laughs> I grew up on the outskirts of the town, so. Okay. But um, like we didn't have a bus transit system because you know not my backyardism, hmm. and so um, there was all that going on. But like I, I understood what he was saying and going through all that because like it's not easy. To, to get into Emory and to be able to afford Emory and to, you know, um, come and, and to be able to, like, to lose that network as well, the alum network, because it's a huge network of pretty well-to-do people, <laughs> which sounds bad, but just there are, there are, like, opportunities that come with that. Right. It's like... You know, graduating from the college I did, it was a real, I loved my college, but it didn't offer me the same things as say Emory would. When it comes to you know maybe upping your what you do, mm -hmm. and it was nice to see him kind of be able to become that that other position. Yeah. Uh, to, to doing what he loved without being able to do what he loved. At, I love too that that came could. from Kyle, yeah. which I think he would 
kind of get more if you'd read the like Kyle and Ainsley's story um but like him as a character is not always the most aware of how other people feel <laughs> um I I actually yeah I gathered that from a couple of scenes in the book actually does uh, a really good job of, of of establishing that yeah so it was just really cool to have that be something that came from him too um, like this is super important see even I noticed it <laughs> but I mean like I I will say one thing I wish I wish that maybe like the grand announcement had maybe been a little bit further in the book um, because I think that I wanted to I, I wanted to see them more as friends too I will say that because I was looking forward because like I I like it when and second because I love second chance romances or you know first chance but you know second chance for one of the people uh -huh. um, I like it when you know I like to watch friendships build because I I love like I said before I don't really care about sex scenes that much much to the chagrin of most of people that listen to my my podcast but um, I, I don't really care for, like, it's not that I don't care. I just, like, after the first one, I, I just, it doesn't read to me for whatever reason. But, um, but I wanted, I like to watch them build up and create an organic relationship. So I wish I'd seen a little bit more of that outside of the, you know, we're in love. Because I wanted to see her kind of build some of that independence while she was with Sawyer before she was with Sawyer. Does that make sense uh -huh. to you? Yeah. Because I, I, I wanted to give her that opportunity to grow, too. A little bit outside of it. But I like the fact that they are in love. I just wish it had, I wish she'd been able to be a little bit more independent before. Outside of the Arizona thing. I mean, just like within, right. within their confines of their relationship. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, because like, I, I, want, cause, like, I wanted to... I like to cheer for women. <laughs> like that's the whole point of deconstructing damsels. Right. Literally, the name says it all. Um, and so I wanted to cheer a little bit harder because I wanted to give her that opportunity to, to like stand out a little bit more. Because I love her, and like I, I thought Starla was an amazingly not just strong, but amazingly because that's such a ubiquitous term. But like, but so um, uh, she was like solid right like even her even her damage and she was solid like she knew what she had to do she did it like she was very like competent that's what i want yeah I, lo I love competency <laughs> um i have a whole thing called competency porn in my head when a, when a character is completely competent i just get very excited i love it um like there's and uh, i'm reading olivia dade's spoiler alert for to go over in a, in a couple days i'm going to record an episode and i'm just like competency porn Anyway, moving on. Um, but I, I enjoyed that. And so I liked her being competent. I wanted to see, I think I wanted to see her be um, competent within their relationship with it not being like just flirtation. Like I wanted to see them be com her competence in her friendship as well. Because I, I, I love it when characters kind of like grow as a friendship. Not just an HEA, but like, mm -hmm. you know, happy as in like they're friendly and they know what to do and stuff like that. It's, just, it's always been my thing. I I will ride or die for that particular, I guess it's a trope until the day I die. 
I'm not entirely sure what's a trope and what's not a trope in my in my genre anymore because well, <laughs> no, sometimes I think maybe words. I'm just impatient. Like kind of yeah. like and well, so there was an aspect of me being like, "Wow, man, you moved on really fast from that marriage," but yeah. <laughs> but also kind of like, "How do you not see what's going on? Come on, already, catch on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like because like, like it was obvious that he was like massively in love with her and and i mean she caught on fairly quick even before he came to that grand announcement yeah how he did it but like you know i just i wanted i also like i think it's also because i like to again this may be the hallmarky in me but um which i'm not actually a home anyway um but i think it's part of the hallmark thing in me but like i i like to watch it when um people grow together and in un- hard circumstances, uh-huh. you know, they still grow together and still make their way. That could just be me, though, because I'm... You know what I've wondered, which would be really... <laughs> I kind of want to see a romance. It's, it's totally different. I don't know what you'd even call it. I want to see, like, a story of people, like, in a marriage growing together past difficult circumstances. Oh, yeah. There was one of those... Oh, gosh, what was it? There was one that was like that not too long ago, but I cannot remember the life of me. It's like I hey, want to see my story. Listeners, you know, like, yeah. happily married, go through, you know, married for five years, miscarriage, have a baby, postpartum depression, be like at the point where you're like, what is wrong with us? All we do is argue and then be like, oh, she's really <laughs> sick. Like, we need to get together and work on this together. And come out stronger the other end. And I don't know that you would call that a romance. <laughs> because no, it's it not... actually is, though. Because, like, I know... I cannot remember it. There was, like... Ah, this is gonna drive me crazy. I may have to get back to you. Because I, I know there is a romance that had, like, that kind of stuff happen. I just can't remember when it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, faulty memory. <laughs> but, <laughs> like... But I know there is one of that. Because I remember, I remember like, reading it where people were, like... It's not, it's not a second chance romance. But, like, they call it, like... Um, a rekindling of romance you know what i mean like you're, yeah. you're like your your relationship is rekindling in its own way because a happened therefore b c and d happened so you have to get to e and you have to find that 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 space to, to grow together because i mean i i'm with you i like those kind of stories i love those kind of stories i i like the I like being able to step into the shoes sometimes. Like, I love me some historical romance, don't get yeah. me wrong. I, I could read, like, Tessa Dare till I'm blue in the face. But, you know, I, I can't handle... All the time, I can't handle the rom-com and the... the sometimes I need something that feels grounded. Something that, that can ground me to the book and go, Oh, that. I, I know that person. Yes. That's exactly. me. I get it. Yeah, no, I absolutely understand that. It, it's it's a whole thing where just because you're in love for the in the beginning doesn't mean that you can't have hardships in between and have to refine it. And that doesn't mean that the HEA is gone either. It just means that you transform a bit. Right, and, and I think the, that's essential to having like. You know, I want to be those people who are, like, 95 on the porch holding hands. Like, and I don't think you get there without hardships. 
Yeah, and you I absolutely think can't. That's and <laughs> no, you can't. And it's an enti- it's a lifetime of romance. It's not like the let's meet, fall in love, but it's it's I don't know. And we and we Getting also don't. Yeah, well, and we also don't need it to be like the Notebook either. Right. <laughs> right. Like you can grow together without like <laughs> dying at the end of every book. Right. Which is why Nicholas Sparks is never going to be written as a as a romance. Uh, because he only knows how to kill people. That's um, the only book of his I've ever read, actually. I had to read I, it in a college class. My English I, class freshman year was about memory. So we, uh, I had that assigned for English. I never read it. I, just watching the little bit of the books. Because I've read some of his other books, and I was just like, no. <laughs> you kill people way too often for me to, to, to be giving you my money. I'm tired of dead people. Yeah. Give me something happy, please. Just a little bit. Just the one book, please. Just something happy. Yeah. No, and I want to see what I want to see in a romance is like what I feel like I get from Fiona West, which is why I read all of her books. And I was like jumping up and down ecstatic when she hired me to copy edit for her. I was like, what? No way. Like, this is like a dream because these books to me are real people who have real problems but also have real love. Yes. And I can't, that's what I'm looking for when I read a romance. I don't want just like the fluffy, like, so there's an appeal to like, oh, you know, we're snowbound for Christmas and we (laughs) fall in love and, you know, but I'm like, I'm missing something. Yeah. So I know you had mentioned that you're always curious about favorite podcasts or books. And I, I've been like agonizing over that because I don't, <laughs> podcasts are really hard for me to listen to because yeah. I have four kids and they're here oh, all the yeah, time. Oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> and so I'll like have something on, I'll listen to like five minutes while I'm washing dishes and then someone comes in and asks me something. And then like, you know, an hour later I turn on the next five minutes and it's just, it's frustrating because yeah. <laughs> there are things I'd love yeah. to listen to more. Um, but there was another book that I read this year that was like to me romance in a in a like a new way I hadn't seen done and very like um kind of like an older protagonist um oh I love those not super old I, I say older you know I'm thinking like me like mid to late 30s like yeah, just same. not like 20 mm-hmm. because yeah. I can't identify with those anymore <laughs> um same uh, <laughs> that's why i have some issues with historical romance sometimes because i'm like they're all 19 right can we please get to be like at least 25 right like, just, can we off them like a decade i'm yeah. like oh man i've gotten old now <laughs> i want all my my heroines to be in their 30s or 40s um but so the author's name is katrina ariel uh-huh um wild horse heart is the book um She's now publishing under the name Leia Talon, but that one is still under Katrina Ariel, I think. And I read that this year and it was just another one of those like, life is rough and this is not easy and like crappy stuff is going to happen, but like real love is really possible. I completely understand that. If like, in my my podcast, I talk about that. Like, it's like... You want to be able to walk into the story and understand where you're going, 
It doesn't have to be your life, but you want to find some way to connect with that. That that's right. always supposed to be like you. You know what I mean? Like whether right. that's the the like you know whether that's like the heroine, the love interest, the hero, like whatever you you know the side character, or whatever you want to fit in that world, and you want to be able to like feel like you belong there. And I I get that because like you it makes you remember things and it makes you feel things. And, you know, that like we're recording this right, right after Christmas, but this is going live in January. And, you know, that, that was the whole point of asking for those audio requests about, you know, what books really made people so interested, like, you know, in 2020, whether it was, you know, published in 2020, didn't matter but like what made your your life better and I did that at the end of the at the end of the year because I wanted to have that that look not everything sucks about <laughs> 2020 right right like, like there are there are moments of joy and there are books that you know romance books that bring you that moment of of oh I can I can be there I can feel that that's it connects and I think that's really important yeah, and that one I think it was the personal growth of the of the heroine of that book. Like with or without the romance. And it sounds funny cuz we're talking about romances, but like it the the romance helps her. Yeah. Through to achieve that personal growth, but she really she does that growth you're talking about you wanted to see more of with Starla that like independence and I you know, it also deals a little bit with like body insecurity. That is some for a lot of romance readers. Yeah, but it is a big deal. Like, you know, you know, I met my husband when I was eighteen. I looked a whole lot different than I do at thirty-six. You, so, no, but I get it's, like, it's, you. You look and feel different because you've gone through so much stuff that it doesn't. Like when you're eighteen, <laughs> you like you you've gone through things, but you're at the beginning of your life. When you're like in your like late thirties, early forties, you're not in the middle of your life. You're not midlife, but you've got so much other things that have happened since then that you're. It's hard to have that same confidence because you you see all the little like, you know, the the scars or you know the stretch marks or you know the boobs not sitting the right way and you see all that kind of stuff and it, it it affects you on some level it has to because we live in a society that demands that it affects you so to me this makes sense yeah sorry go ahead so that no weird. that's okay i actually i need to get going yeah i know i can hear <laughs> i would love to keep chatting but i'm hearing like yeah. some screams downstairs and i mm -hmm. kind of told my husband it'd be an hour and it's an hour and 40 <laughs> yeah sorry about that <laughs> that's i don't care it's been fun for me. <laughs> yeah, I know, but pass along the sorry to him. Yeah, I will. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's not. It depends on what's being discussed. So, But I'm glad that you're finding romances that add in. You know what I mean? Like they make you feel seen. Yeah. I think you, should, I think you should feel seen in your romances. That you're yeah, romantic. exactly. You should feel like you... you you belong somewhere even when you even when you physically don't feel like you do you feel like you should belong somewhere even if that's in a, in a fictional world but it's not fictional to you because it still does something for you it, it's an it's like a little snow globe yeah that's ultimately why we read though right like mm -hmm. learn feel connected yeah and grow mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Even I, like I grow a lot by reading romances, depending on the the subgenre and everything else. It makes you happy. It makes you smile. It makes you sad. It makes you find things that maybe you didn't think that you had going on in your head, and you're like, oh my god, like my me finding out I was ADHD because of a Alyssa Cole book. Oh right, that's a thing. <laughs> Dang, right? Like it, it, that's what romances should do for you. You should feel like you belong. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me. You're welcome. This was okay. Fun. <laughs> so, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, where can they find me? So, I'm on Twitter at the Edifying Word, and I have um, my website is also it's www.theedifyingword.com. Um, so there's a like my editing services and then the blog where I <laughs> mostly blog about books. I don't blog about editing because that's not fun for me. Yeah, no. So I'm a bad content marketer. Um, <laughs> I started with the blog first, just to talk about books that I liked, or what they made me think about. And eventually kind of just morphed and combined. Well, sometimes it's easier to have one space than like three. So yeah. I get it. I have a whole other blog I keep forgetting about. I'm like, oh, right. I have a whole blog I have that I forget about. <laughs> I get it. Uh, well, it's been very nice talking with you. You too. Bye. Bye. So what did you guys think? I think Kristen did an amazing job, and I'm really glad she came on the show. I had a blast. and I know it may not always sound like I do when I take these books apart, but I actually do enjoy them for the most part. Okay. Secret Christmas Twins was a story altogether but in general i have fun with these books okay so i want to just make that very clear now that you guys have listened and i just i don't want to make that feel like i'm i'm dogging something because i'm not sometimes i just have very strong opinions and i have not learned how to filter them out for myself so you guys get them too this is just kind of how i work and of course like i mentioned in the beginning of the episode you can find me at instagram twitter Facebook at Damsel's Podcast. You can also find me at Patreon at damselspodcast.com. And I keep forgetting to tell y'all, I actually do have content there. I keep forgetting to tell you what guys what I have. So if you are a patron, you get early release most of the time. Sometimes we run it kind of low, but you guys usually get you know early release if you have the two dollar a month. For the first one, like for the dollar one, you know, you get your name said aloud, and so I kind of like give you a little bit of, of that. And then bonus content kind of ranges from a whole bunch of stuff, including, you know, there are some videos, like there's an unboxing I did with my body bookworms that will not be public. It's just for that because I think it's kind of a topic that I want to keep into my patron side because, yo, I don't want to get banned from any social media platform otherwise. You've also got a ton of reviews, like Sven and I especially just do reviews all the time. So if you enjoy listening to us, I highly recommend it. And of course, there's other kind of little reviews. And I also do some mini reviews on Instagram. I don't like I've done three or four of them and they're they're really interesting, I think, because sometimes there are stories that I want to talk about, but I don't really want to like I don't have a full like episodes worth of content, but I, I felt like, you know. It was worth talking about. I also have many reviews and long reviews on Patreon. I'm mentioning those because they're not 
what you see on Patreon is nothing that will ever be outside of Patreon. That's exclusively that. Now, <laughs> on to the big thing. So I promise you something new. And I've been thinking about this for a while. A, a way of being interactive and creating something fun and for you guys to join in. You listen to me all the time. You listen to me and my guests. And I know that, like, I talk a lot, but I want to hear what you guys are doing, which is exactly why we had that whole, like, what's your favorite 2020 book, right? Like, I, I want to hear what you guys are reading, what you're communicating with. So I decided to create a reading challenge for 2021. Now, I should mention that this challenge is actually based on what I was going to be doing. So if you follow along, you're literally going to follow along about things that I know that I did wrong last year. Well, not wrong, but I, I wasn't paying as close of attention to something as I should have. So I've hashtagged it, hashtagged it challenging damsels because I didn't want to confuse myself with Tessa Dare because she's got the society of damsels and I didn't want to like, you know, take that away because she's <laughs> that way longer. I just have deconstructing damsels and had to do something fun with it. And I didn't want to do deconstructing because that's a long word. So there are 12. Well, kind of. And I'll explain that in a minute. You can find more of this information at damselspodcast.com and it'll be under an extras tab and it will say Challenging Damsels 2021. So that way, if we do this again next year, it's just easy to kind of roll it out. So here are the 12 prompts that I have come up with. Backlist no more. I mean, we all have a backlist that's forever, right? And then I have Debuting YA Author. And this actually comes because Bex, who will be on this in a little while, Potato Lady Reviews, or she reviews podcasts, which is kind of awesome, is able to do this. And so I was like, all right, she likes YA. I was looking into doing YA. In fact, we're going to cover a YA at some point in the next couple months or so. I'm letting her get settled on her end on that too. So why not? And like a YA author, new books come out all the time. And I want to highlight maybe people who need that that boost. So it has to be debuting is in 2021. And on the like website with all this information, I actually have a bunch of ideas and suggestions and links for you guys to get access to them. You know, there, there's a way of knowing who's debuting and who's not and stuff like that. Again, I'm resource happy because you know, it's me. Make it modern, which is my version of contemporary. I realized I don't read that much contemporary because historical is my fallback. It's my safe space when I read right now. And other than paranormal contemporary, I should say, I'm, I'm trying to like build a bigger view of what's working within our genre and how things have progressed since the last time I read a whole bunch of contemporary, which is usually Harlequins, which I love, by the way, hence Category Corner on my Patreon. But I wanted to expand that because there's so many new authors, so many available ways of reading. And, you know, I will admit it probably will not be a billionaire or a mafia book. Those just don't really hit a button for me, but there are so many more other options along the way. And then the next one is not another Regency. Not another Regency is literally like any other time frame that's historical. So, you know, you've got Jenny Lynn who does the Tang Dynasty. Bev Jenkins does the Old West. You know, there's a lot of options that we can discuss and they're available. Again, on the website, a whole list. I seriously did a lot of research for you guys on this one. And then there's Siblings, a series. Now, this is the one that's not a single prompt because I kind of want to read a series of, you know, something. 
and I realized that I start series, but I never finish them, and I wanted to narrow it down a little bit more to siblings, because I think that siblings have a very interesting dynamic. Back when I started first reading romance, like Joe Beverly's Malorian series was very influential for me, because I'd never really seen that kind of a sibling series outside of like Nora Roberts, so it was totally cool to me. And, you know, like, I have, again, a list of those, and sometimes they can be, like, three or four, and sometimes the book's only, like, 150 to maybe 175 pages, so it's more of a novella meets book, but anyway. So I definitely think that should be easy enough. And then I have Own Voices. So I did Own Voices on purpose. There are so many options out there for Own Voices, and we read all the time in romance. And this one is specific to, to me because after reading the book with with Becky last year, <laughs> Beckles, on, you know, by Tony Anderson, I was thinking, hmm, I was looking for own voices and I found some. So I would like to continue that. So I'm, I'm going to put that in my list and I'm going to you know, read it. I actually had novella down, but it's kind of hard to find novella short stories unless you get an anthology, and sometimes anthologies are not always available, and it just kind of like broadens it up a little bit. And then you have Comfort Zone Be Gone. <laughs> Remember the whole historical comment I made? Yeah, basically that. I don't want to do that. Absolutely not. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So, I have decided to go beyond that. And for me, that's actually reading more dark romance, something that I don't think I'm going to like, I'll be honest, but I'm willing to try because it seems silly to write something off without working on it, right? Like, there, there are options there, so I'm, I'm thinking about those kind of things. And then there's backstage hookup, and that sounds like it's Rockstar, and it can be, but mostly what I'm talking about is I'm talking about books where... You know, you've got, like, the production assistants, you know, falling in love and making out with one of the makeup artists or, you know, the stage manager and an understudy or, you know, someone that's not literally in the bright lights. So, you know, kind of like, not like spoiler alert, I love the book, but what I mean is, is like, I don't want the stars to be center. That That's my preference. I mean, you guys can interpret it any way you want, but for me, that's what I was looking for because, you know, Adele Buck, who will be in the episode next month, she she has one coming out. It's her debut, and it's about, you know, the theater world. And, like, we, you know, books like Lucy Parker, and they have all those books, but it's usually about stars or whatever, but she's got a few in there that, that are not. And so I think it's really important to showcase that and, and note it and you know not forget the behind the scenes people and it doesn't have to be the theater world guys it doesn't have to be like music I mean it can be like the people that clean up like a janitor at the hospital falling in love with I don't know a phlebotomist but you know what I mean like there are options there and I'd really like to see more of that kind of behind the scenes stuff and then there is positive disability representation <laughs> Hi, <laughs> that one was basically for me, <laughs> literally for me, because, you know, I have ADHD, I have anxiety, I have all of those mental 
I call it misfirings because sometimes they start going in the wrong direction and they can kind of really make my life very difficult, especially when they hit the, dep the depression button and also the diabetes. But I want to see people be strong and solid and know themselves and, and be aware of it. And so, and I don't want it to be like inspiration porn. I hate that kind of crap. You know, I want something a little bit more than that. And I, I want to kind of like be something in the happy side. So... I made sure to put something up. And again, I have some recs in, in the website. And then there's Black Love. Now, I picked Black Love in part because I realized I didn't actually read it, or rather I didn't talk about a lot of, of relationships between characters that were black. And there's been some discussion on Twitter that I'm, I'm not going to get into, but basically I want to talk about things that are gooey and happy and not tragedy porn and you know rising above all the crap they have to, I, I don't want to write about that and I don't want to read about that right so I want something happy and there are so many options out there like that's not to say people can't be going through things but I don't want to be their defining feature as if it's the only thing that's motivating them right because characters should be more complex and complicated and I want to see some more of that and there's so many authors that put that out now that it's silly to ignore it basically and silly for me I should say silly for me not to cover it in this and I think that that's just not that I don't read it but it's bad that I don't really necessarily talk about it I have several coming up this year however already recorded just to for clarify so I'm, I'm on the way but I'm not counting those because I read those last year this is this year and there's so many really great options. And Reese Ryan on Twitter does a really good job of, of talking about that a lot. So I just wanted to point that out. And then there's time for a holiday. And this is straight just being funny and loud and, you know, going on vacation. Like, what happens when you go on vacation and you meet the love of your life, but you're going to leave in like two weeks, right? So... You know, how is this relationship going to work? What's going on? How do we get a happily ever after that? Or, you know, who knows? Maybe it's World Pancake Day or National Hot Tea Day or something. And you meet someone at the bakery and they're closing. But you're like, oh, no, I need this. And so they go in and make you something because you look so sad and lonely. And and that's the kind of stories I want to read. Like, not you, but like you as in the character world. So I'm, I'm looking for that kind of stuff. I'm looking for some lighthearted stuff. Not everything has to be serious. Because I started to read one Christmas story last year and I loved it. But it was so dark I just couldn't finish it because it was a little too personal. And I was like, mm-hmm, I need something random. I mean, hell, why not have like, you know, St. Patrick's Day and have like, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's leprechaun, leprechaun porn out there somewhere. Make, you, make what you want of that. And then the final one is non-binary or trans author. And this one is a little personal, and I picked it because I need to read the book that I got. So last year when I was looking for diabetes representation, Corey Alexander sent me an ARC. And I never got a chance to read it before they passed, Zane West. And I felt bad about that. I felt like, you know... I had planned to do something and I just, I didn't do it in time. And in the end, I lost the, the chance to speak with the author about what was going on. And that felt really wrong and not great. So I wanted to go ahead and add something to that. So I made sure to write that down. I have 
quite a few lists with some books in there. I, I try to put books in all the ideas section for you guys so you can kind of use it as a starting point. Like it's not to be an end all be all, but maybe you can find something along the way from the same author in a different book. Whatever. It's all about that kind of stuff. It's all about giving you options. And so it's always been my <laughs> it's always been my way to give you as many options as possible. And you know, that's challenging damsels and you know, I have a um, thing on Instagram that people can use if they want and you know, make sure to tag on Twitter and in and you know, Instagram and you know, make sure to actually use the hashtag and tag me, you know, damsels podcast cuz I'm simple that way. I'm very easy going that way. Simplistic is my way. You know, I, I wanted to see what you guys are doing. And in that same vein, I was talking to Carrie and Carrie actually suggested a Facebook group. I know I have a lot of issues with Facebook, but I don't know if I could handle moderating a discord server like for real. And I don't want to give that over to my husband because Sven does all the editing on this podcast, and I don't want to make his life more difficult. So it was a Facebook group because I can handle that. It's been like almost 20 years since I modded, so give me a little grace if you if you join. But basically what I want to do is I want people to, you know, talk about what they're reading within, the, within it. Like, you know, you're reading a book about, say, Bev Jenkins, and you hear news, you know, about something going on with the production of one of her shows. Cool. That relates because the, the shows are based on the books. You know, it's just it's a matter of, like, letting you kind of converse and have conversations and see what else is out there that you may have missed. And I'd like to, at the end of the year, I've got a Google form, but I think I'm also going to try and have a spreadsheet somehow, maybe, where everyone can write down what they're reading and stuff so there's a little bit more consistency and, and that way you know I can keep up with what's going on and I can see what was most popular and wasn't and give you guys the data you know which will be due like December 29th it's January 15th you got time I did that on purpose I didn't want to make a, a long one you know I enjoy these kind of things like this year I decided to start reading the the heaving bosoms reading embrace and this didn't come out of that. This actually just, like I said, came out of my list. But the idea is just to kind of do that that fun idea. I hope you guys join me. I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to launch it. I'm really freaking worried about launching it and scared and anxious and nervous. But I want to talk to you guys more. And not just about like the book I've been reading or what's going on in the world because we know the world is burning like every two seconds. So that's not a change there but I want to talk about something's fun you know and you know there's a lot of leeway within the Facebook group you know just don't be a dickhead don't be disrespectful don't be racist homophobic xenophobic you know like don't be the phobics and you'll be fine flat out um I'm truly trying to make this as comfortable as I can and this episode has been going on for a really long time now, so I'm going to stop it because it's been uh, roughly like an hour and a half, I think, by the time he's done editing this. A little bit more, a little bit less. That's a lot of listening. So, especially since I've been talking like on half of this by myself and it's better when I have a guest, I know. So, I'm going to go now. 
I again want to thank Kristen at The Edifying Word for coming on here and talking about Starla and Sawyer. I will have all her links in the comments below, in the show notes, and I will also have the links to the website and any information that you may need. You know, I'll link to my Instagram because that's where the other versions will be. There's also, by the way, there's also a version on the website too. So I've given you like, you can just download that one because it's the same copy as what I'm going to be using on Instagram in case you need an extra copy or in case something happens to yours or I don't know, whatever. It's up to you. Have a good time, guys. Like, just have a good time living life. Sometimes life can be wonky. Really, really wonky. But sometimes it can be really, really good. And we're going to hope for really, really good this year because last year sucked. And I want to put something more positive in the world this year. We all kind of need it. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Until next time. Bye. (laughs) 